What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another edition of Be Shaved Daily After Dark. It is an ungodly hour here in the Central Time Zone as we get started with tonight's episode of the pod, breaking down a Cardinals extra inning winner out in the desert because, of course, when the Cardinals take off for Arizona and an 8.40 Central Time start time, you got to go to extras, right? It's like baked into the... It always seems like... And you get on to these West Coast games, and it is silly season. You're asking for craziness late night. And the Cardinals got a little bit of that tonight as, first of all, Carlos Martinez, excellent start by Carlos, the veteran right-hander. As the tsunami had a no-hitter going through six innings, the craziness kind of beginning in the seventh when... Carlos gives up multiple hits in a row. Mike Schilt with the quick hook goes to Henesis Cabrera, said after the game, did Mike Schilt, that he kind of saw Carlos start to elevate a little bit, not execute his pitches quite as well as he had been, beginning in the sixth inning with a couple of hard hit balls, and then in the seventh when he saw Carlos go out there and, and start off with a couple of hits against Diamondbacks hitters, he decided that was the time to pull the plug on the outing, noting, though, that Carlos looked just about as good as he has all season had all of his stuff working tonight. But at that point, they go to Hennessy's Cabrera. That's the point in the lineup where you get a couple of lefties in there. That's exactly the spot for Hennessy's, and it just didn't happen to work out this time. Arizona goes single, single off of Cabrera upon his entrance into the game, followed by a walk to load the bases, and that was all she wrote for the outing for Hennessy's. And it was then Ryan Helsley's turn to come in and try to keep Carlos on the upside of a potential win, which he certainly had earned. Tyler O'Neill with the big home run early. Cardinals able to tack on a couple more runs to get that 4-0 lead. But then in the seventh, it's all at stake in a 4-3 game. Bases are loaded. Ryan Helsley, do your worst, man. Go out there and get her done. Well, that's exactly what Mr. Helsley does. Keeps the game right there where it was when he entered. Strikes out Carson Kelly, former Cardinal, on three pitches. Takes Andy Young who was also involved in the Goldsmith trade with Arizona, kind of the forgotten piece in that deal, takes him to a full count, strikes him out as well, and then gets Josh Rojas to ground out to end the inning, escape the jam, no more damage done. Cardinals hold it right there, 4-3. to three. Just a really strong performance by Ryan Helsley, who's in that group of relievers that we've talked about. Cardinals are looking for some extra help beyond the, the big three, which Cabrera was the first guy they went to in that situation. He struggled. Helsley bails him out. Really big spot for the Cardinals. They probably do not win this game if Helsley has a tough outing tonight. But he was nails right on the money when the Cardinals needed him, and so they hold it right there. Giovanni Gagos, another guy who is part of that group, the core three with Reyes, Cabrera, Gallegos. He has a little bit of a hiccup tonight, allowing an earned run on a couple of hits in the eighth inning, and that ties the game and unfortunately means Carlos Martinez cannot be the winner in this one. As we mentioned, he deserved to have done so. Had six strikeouts over his first three innings. That's where he ended, though, on the day. Didn't pick up any punch-outs thereafter, but had the no-hitter going, had all of his pitches working. He credited his change-up, in particular, as one of the pitches that really helped him, as well as his cutter. Said those two pitches got him through a lot of situations tonight, able to, to attack hitters with those pitches at their height in his arsenal. So really good stuff from Carlos. At the end of the day, six innings, three earned runs. Not exactly the sterling outing that you know that you picture for him, but because he 
He gives up a few of those base hits to begin that seventh inning, and then the inherited runners, of course, Henesis Cabrera was not able to keep them from scoring, so those are charged to Martinez as well. But the, the final line does not reflect how effectively he pitched for six innings tonight. At 77 pitches through six, that was maybe pushing it a little bit to have the no-hitter if he continued to perform at a high level. Obviously, it didn't go that way, but certainly you were kind of tuning in at that point thinking, man, maybe this could be the night they break the Bud Smith curse, which really isn't a curse, but he was the last guy to do it for the Cardinals, a no-hitter. I think it falls this season. I'm going to go out and make that prediction. Jack Flaherty would be the most obvious choice. I thought he was going to throw one a couple of weeks ago in in uh, St. Louis when they played Pittsburgh, whenever that game was that he started in that series, but then didn't have his sharpest stuff that day, and so move on to the next one. But I think this year will be the year, by the way. I think uh, we'll look back upon this one. Cardinals are going to find a no-hitter at some point. There's plenty of time left. It's been the year of the pitcher with regard to no-hitters falling off the table left and right. Eventually, Cardinals are due, right? Somebody's going to get one. Wayno, Flaherty, you know, Carlos showed he had no-hit stuff tonight. I think one of them, they're going to be able to find a way to do it. Nevertheless, Cardinals into a 4-4 game at that point in time after the Giovanni Gallegos inning in the eighth. And you think, yep, here it comes, the extra inning game. It's just not right. It's just not right, but it had to happen. Maybe in this case, you know, I'm not a fan of the extra innings rule where you have runners on second to begin, but it did seem to get things moving along tonight as the game ends in 10 innings. Uh, Alex Reyes, before we get to the 10th, pitched a really good ninth for the Cardinals to hold it right where it was. Did walk a guy, but it wasn't the leadoff guy. It was later in the inning and had a punch out in the frame. .67 is now his ERA. Continues to look really good for St. Louis. But because they used him in the ninth, you know, you're on the road, tie game. To guarantee that you go to extra innings, you got to use your best guy. That's It's a newer school way of thinking, but it makes sense to me. And you've seen managers be ridiculed for not doing that and then holding their closer for a situation that never does arise. Tonight, you burn Cabrera already. You burn Gallegos. You might as well just go with using Reyes, especially in a game that is certainly winnable. You get a runner on second if Reyes can get through this inning. He does. That's what happens. And it's Goldschmidt running for the Cardinals. Arenado, you think, oh, maybe he could be the one. No, it's Yadier Molina in the five-hole tonight for the Cardinals. Had a really nice game. Three hits for the Cardinals' backstop. And the big one coming in that 10th inning as he drives in the runner, Paul Goldsmith. 301 now. Yadier Molina's batting average. And to get back above 300, it was a big one as he gets the knock to make it 5-4. to four. Now, though, the question is, who's going to close this game out? You've used Helsley. You've used the big three. Where are you going? Well, none other than Daniel Ponce de Leon, and he got it done. His first save of the season, I think a really pivotal moment in the season of Daniel Ponce de Leon, started in the rotation for the Cardinals. You think back to last year when I was pumping his tires on B-Shape Daily, really thought he had a had a, a, a future with this club, and it just didn't work out in 2020. Had some similar issues so far this year. The problem comes with Ponce. People call him a one-pitch pitcher because he's got the fastball. He'll mix in the changeup but really has not established those secondary pitches in his arsenal. That's a problem for a starter. It can be a problem for a reliever, too, if you're not locating that one pitch. But when Ponce is on with the fastball, it can be devastating. He was able to get it done tonight, and and that's no small feat. When you start with a runner on second base, as he had to do, right? Cardinals scored theirs. They didn't get any extra, though. So you had to figure out, all right, just got to hold it there. Runner on second base, nobody out, and get it done. Daniel Ponce de Leon 
goes out, finds a way to do that for his first save of the year. Big win for the Cardinals because the Cubs, and we're going to talk about this. I think that's kind of where we're going to end the podcast today. Uh, just kind of a brief one. I, I, it's Full disclosure, it's past 1 a.m. right now, and i got to wake up at 6. So I'm not going to go too super long today, but I, I can't get out of here without referencing and talking at a little bit of length about the play that occurred in the Pirates-Cubs game earlier this afternoon. But the Cubs did win that game, and so that meant if the Cardinals were to lose this one tonight, they would have fallen to second place in the NL Central. As it is, the Cardinals maintain their lead over the Chicago Cubs. They get the win just a half game up right now. The Cubs are playing some good baseball. Cardinals, when they head to Wrigley, second week of June, I believe it is, they're going to have to make make some serious uh, headway against that Chicago club after dropping 2-3 or three to them last weekend at Bush Stadium. But Cardinals do get the win. It's an important one to start off this series in Arizona. Uh, some other notables from tonight. 0 for 4 day for Edmundo Sosa, but I wanted to talk about, and this is a question I asked Mike Schild about in the Zoom, which just wrapped right before we got this podcast going. He looks really sharp defensively at shortstop to the extent that, and Cardinals fans have been talking about this already because they see Paul DeYoung, the batting average below 200. Yes, he's hit his homers. Uh, he's, he's pretty good defensively, though, and so it's just a question of how do you allocate that playing time when DeYoung comes back. I don't know that it has to be a question of either or, especially if the Cardinals are still dealing with some outfield injuries, as they have been right now. Uh, Tyler O'Neill comes back tonight and hits a massive home run. I do need to mention this. The StatCast originally on his blast to dead center field, 416 feet. I thought maybe they were trying to honor his Canadian heritage and, and they measured it in meters and just forgot to tell us that ball was way more than 416 feet. It went over a fence that reads 413 on it, and it would have cleared it by a long shot if there wasn't a batter's eye there. Eventually, StatCast, which I'm I'm convinced when they changed their, their guesstimate, it's because they saw the, the, the criticism and thought, well, we better come up with a more believable number because people are saying it was wrong. Uh, let's go with 451. So officially, that's what the distance was, according to StatCast, on the Tyler O'Neill bomb. Uh, it could have, you could have told me 460, 470, I would have believed you. Again, probably hard to, to get it exactly right, given that it didn't get to travel its full distance because it smacked into a wall out there. But a total bomb by Tyler O'Neill talked about in the Zoom after the game that he's kind of using more of a golf swing grip to take a little bit of the pressure off of that finger that he injured, sent him to the injured list. He was riding pretty hot before he went on the I.L., Good to see him hit a homer back in this game tonight, uh, but he does strike out three times in his other at-bats. So still looking for that consistency from Tyler O'Neill. but listen, if he's homering with this frequency, I believe tonight was number nine on the season, and he's had two stints on the injured list, one for the groin, one for the finger. So that's a pace of over 30 home runs for sure, especially if you consider him going healthy through the rest of the season, which is not a guarantee. But talking about the pace that he's on, Tyler O'Neill certainly coming into his own a little bit offensively. I said one for four. He was actually one for five with three strikeouts, but batting average of 248, that would be a batting average you'd take for Tyler O'Neill Because the raw power is there, you know that he's going to boost his other elements with the slug, and he does. OPS 829, one of the higher marks in the Cardinals lineup outside of Arnado Molina. I think he does rank third, if you don't count Sosa, and just yet I don't because of the fact that he's probably not there based on plate appearances. Tyler O'Neill might not be there either, but I digress. Getting back to the conversation about Sosa at shortstop, again, didn't contribute tonight offensively. But with what he's done so far, 927 OPS, that's pretty strong. That would lead the team if it if it qualified. And he's just finding a way to inject his personality, his energy into these games. And tonight he does it again on the defensive side. There were a couple of plays that he made late in this game, moving to his left, 
where he fields the ball and then makes kind of an off-balance throw. He made one to end the game that Mike Schilt alluded to when I asked him just generally about Sosa. He said, that's a tough play to end the game. And to me, what Sosa does defensively at short is he, he can make the tough play look easy and some of the just very smooth nature that he's doing some of these almost acrobatics to be able to make some of these plays. Sure, he had an error the other day, but so did Arenado, so did Edmund. You know, Yachty had a couple of balls that he wasn't able to stab. That was a day where the Cardinals' defense just wasn't on. But when it's when when circumstances are normal and you're not talking about a full moon scenario, Edmundo Sosa defensively at shortstop is really, really solid. To the point that I know Paul DeYoung's going to play. doesn't have to be an either-or potentially. If you have Bader out, you know, you, you never know what other injuries could come to come into play, and you could stick Edmund occasionally in the outfield. The Cardinals are going to have to give this guy playing time. His bat's going to cool off. It, it, like I said, it already did a little bit tonight with the 0 for 4, and so still hitting 341, OPS 927. His OPS was like over 1,000, so he's going to cool off. I don't think he's he's going to be even necessarily an above-average hitter at the major league level. He may not be. That's okay. You know, it's it's been several years we've seen cups of coffee from the guy, and he hasn't really gotten a chance to catch on. This is his first, like, extended look that he's gotten for the Cardinals, and he's running away with it so far. He's going to come back down to earth, but when he does... I want to point out that defensively what he does at shortstop, really something special, and you could move him to second base for some games. You could also consider moving Paul DeYoung to second. I know the Cardinals like what they see from him defensively at shortstop, but, you know, just as ways to, to keep the lineup flexible and to maximize your potential opportunities, guys stay fresh. That's been a thing with Paul DeYoung in recent years. When he's healthy, seems like he's in the lineup every day. They don't really give him very many off days. This would be a way, if you if you trust Edmundo Sosa in the job that he's doing, I mean, they, they batted him fifth yesterday. So he's, you know, that was the getaway day lineup, but they're giving him some more responsibilities, and for the most part, he's answering the bell. We'll see if he can continue to, to keep it going offensively, maybe not have too big of a drop-off to, to be able to sustain some of the momentum that he's had. But I like what we're seeing from Edmundo Sosa, and I think you got to continue to give him opportunities even when DeYoung comes back, whether that means moving one or the other to short, from short to second, which I think could be either of them. You know, I think they're both plus shortstops. I think Edmundo Sosa might even be better. I know it's a small sample size, and I know uh, that that it's recency bias because we haven't gotten the opportunity recently to see Paul DeYoung. He makes th- those tough plays look easy as well. But I think the athleticism for Sosa may just kind of be on, on that next tier Really impressed with what he's done. And you talk about Paul DeYoung being under long-term contract. Cardinals have Tommy Edmund at second, sure. But that's just because of the makeup of what this roster is right now. Arnado's at third. You know, you've got Goldie at first. You've got, you had Paul DeYoung, you figured a shortstop. Tommy Edmund can play anywhere. And so if you also can put second base as a, a, a trick in the bag of Paul DeYoung defensively, I think that could only be a plus for the Cardinals as, a, as an organization moving forward. I would like to see them at least consider the idea, especially if Edmundo Sosa continues to play the way he has, because that's really been the reason that you've said, well, I understand Paul DeYoung playing every day, because who do they got behind him? Cardinals defensively, full package at shortstop, have not really had a backup that you necessarily trust over the last few seasons. Edmundo Sosa, while I did not think coming into the year he would be that guy, full disclosure, uh, you know, with what we'd seen of him, it just hadn't been all that impressive offensively. And you had other guys like Jose Rondon, Max Moroff hitting well infield types in spring that I thought, you know, do they really even need to keep playing this game with Sosa if he's just going to ride Pine? Well, it's a good thing they did, and I was wrong, because he really does look like a guy that deserves a shot and, and, and let him run a little bit and see what the guy can do. 
Uh, whereas Max Moroff, I've, I've soured on him because he just has not looked competitive at the plate at this level. Maybe go back to Memphis, work on some things, come back. I could see it maybe panning out that way. And we have not yet seen Jose Rondon, who's still been with AAA. But I think Sosa has, has done everything you know in his power to, to, to make the most of these opportunities. And so I've been pretty impressed by him. Uh, Paul DeYoung, they're hoping can make it back with, with within the coming days, weeks, etc. But we'll see what it looks like when he does return. Uh, Edmundo Sosa has been playing like a guy who does not want to leave that position. And if you if you have a position that can be a little more defensive-oriented than offensive, uh, first of all, this Cardinals lineup is hard to do because there's a lot of guys who have been underperforming offensively. But if you do have a spot, shortstop historically has been one of those spots where you want the premier defender. Paul DeYoung, you really don't sacrifice a lot with him in that area. But uh, especially if the bat kind of lags for DeYoung, you want to make sure to keep him fresh. And that might be able to be a reason that he can produce more consistently offensively as well. So wanted to sing some of the praises of uh, of Mr. Edmundo Sosa tonight before we got into the rest of the topics for the podcast, and now I've done so. So let's get into it. Pirates-Cubs. I hope you've seen this play by now. It is unequivocally, in my mind, the more I watch it, the worst play defensively in Major League Baseball history, maybe in the history of professional sports. Will Craig is the first baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and maybe he shouldn't be because he made the most boneheaded move I've ever seen, and then like continue to compound it by making it worse when being able to get out of it after the initial bad choice would have been really, really easy to a point until he starts to throw the ball, which really wasn't a throw. It was like a little lob that he made to the catcher because Wilson Contreras is bearing down on a home plate. Here's the situation. Runner on second base, ground ball to third, throw across to first. It's Javi Baez, the batter. Javi Baez is not going to beat this play, but the throw is offline, and so Will Craig's standing there about two, two, three feet from Baez with the ball in his hand up the baseline, and Baez turns around. He starts kind of jogging, halfway going, trying to trick him out, heading back home. So what does Craig do? Rather than step on the base with two outs, he follows him, follows Javi Baez damn near all the way to the home plate to the extent that Wilson Contreras, seeing this happening and thinking, what do we have to lose? I'm going to run, tries to score. But remember, there are two outs in this situation. And again, if you haven't seen the play, go watch it. There's literally no way if you spent any amount of time at all on Twitter and are a baseball fan that you wouldn't have seen this. The Cubs tweeted it out. MLB tweeted it out. Everybody was talking about this play that happened earlier on Thursday afternoon. And when he goes to home plate, rather than still just tag Javi Baez because there's nowhere for him to go, you know, he does stay in the baseline, Baez does for the most part. He kind of leapt out of it a little bit when the throw happened to home because he was kind of a spectator at that point watching the play but all he did was run backwards there's nowhere for the guy to go at any point in time will craig could have turned around and walked back to first base or just walk up to bias and tag him and i'm listening to the broadcast you, you, all the different radio calls tv calls that, that you could find on twitter social media there was one from the the pirates television broadcast where they say quickly tag him that's what he needed to do quickly tag him no you don't have to tag him quickly you could take all damn day you do not have to hurry in this situation because no matter what happens, that run does not score unless Javi Baez touches first base safely. And he is standing three feet from home plate when this happens. So the little lob from Craig, first of all, the decision to chase down Baez, bad. The decision to throw it, bad, bad. And the decision to throw it like he was confused at what was happening, like his, his brain had left his body, it's even, well, it's not even worse. Those first two things are pretty bad. But if you're going to throw it, which don't, by the way, terrible decision to throw it, but if you're going to throw it and try to get a tag at the plate for your catcher on Contreras bearing down rather than the easy, obvious force out at first, okay, 
like once again, don't do it, but throw the ball. It's like he walks it up to home plate and then kind of tosses it like he's never thrown a baseball in his life. And then the runner is safe at home. Umpire signals safe. He's safe. But not really because still Baez has to touch first base. Like they didn't get that guy out. But then everybody's looking at Baez like, now what's going to happen? Oh, Baez, by the way, signaling safe also. He's standing there literally signaling safe. It is absolutely hilarious. But he's not safe at home plate until Baez is safe at first. So I, I, I give him the benefit of the doubt and say he realized that in the moment. And that's why he starts running toward first. It could have just been, though, that he realized, oh, there's nobody standing on first. I can also be safe. I might as well go. But it wouldn't have been also. Like, he had to be safe if the run didn't count. Just so many absolutely hysterical layers to this play. So anyway, Baez is running to first base. Second baseman, late to cover. The throw. And again, this situation, when you're trying to cover a bag and there's nobody on it, you got to throw to the bag. Do not throw to the guy who's not there yet because you're going to throw behind him. Throw to the bag. Throw where he's going to be. And you'll get there. That's not what the catcher did for Pittsburgh. Threw it behind the second baseman that was trying to cover. Ball goes into right field. So now the run has scored. Baez is safe. He actually slides head first into first base, which is another controversial thing. Don't even have time to talk about that. Gets up, runs to second. Yakety Sacks music is blaring at this point. Right fielder or second baseman, whoever went out to get the ball in right field. I mean, everybody was all over the place on this play. Then throws it into second. That throw goes beyond the bag and is eventually picked up by the, the backup man. And Baez comes to rest at second base, basically trading place with Con- uh, Contreras. Pardon me. It's getting late. Trading places with Contreras on a ground ball to third base that should have, under any other circumstances, ended the inning. I don't. If you've ever seen a worse play in, in baseball history, show it to me. I saw one from the KBO that actually just happened within the last week that was pretty bad, where the guy, basically it was a force out at third, and then they throw home, extra innings situation, walk-off situation in a tie game. After the force out is made at third, they throw home because the runner is going home. But instead, after the run out, after the rundown, both guys end up on third base, but one of them's already been out on the force out. And that's the guy who turns around and goes towards second base, and the catcher at that point tries to chase him, even though he's already out, instead of throwing home or doing nothing. It was bonkers bizarre. But anyway, nobody was there for home plate, and they throw back to third. They actually threw behind the runner. If you haven't seen this play, I'm probably describing something that you you know, you know, have no knowledge of. I, I believe Sinchu Chu was the runner, former major league player. It was the LG Twins like a week ago that was posted uh, on Twitter. I believe Bennett Durando said, have you ever seen a worse play? And somebody replied to his tweet. So if you if you follow Bennett Durando, that's where you'd go to find this play that I'm describing now. But I would still say what we saw with Pirates Cubs today was worse, even though it didn't directly cost anybody a game. Like throwing behind a runner to third base when the guy has nowhere to go but home, and if he gets there, he wins the game. Then the third baseman didn't throw home. It was really a weird play in the KBO. You should check it out. But this one, just the the sheer simplicity of the fact that all he had to do to end the inning was step on first base or tag Baez, and he did neither of those things. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. But absolutely hilarious. I'm so glad that it happened. Cubs, though, they get to play the Pirates, so you know what that means. They're probably going to continue to win some games, unless that was like game four of a four-game set. I really haven't even looked, and it's it's too late for me to look at the schedule. I'm just not going to do it tonight. So you look for yourself. Recognize that if the Cubs get to continue to play the Pirates, they're probably going to keep winning. Cardinals are going to have to keep the pedal down. They want to keep hold of this lead in the NL Central. 
All right, folks, I said it was going to go shorter tonight. It really hasn't. We're over 23 minutes, 24 minutes at this point. I appreciate, as always, you guys listening. It's really great to have you along for the ride. Cardinals get a win on this one. I don't know if you're going to hear from me for the next couple of days getting out of town for Memorial Day weekend, and I'll certainly be watching. I'll be tweeting. You can find me at for 12 We'll have a big recap maybe Monday night. I'll record for Tuesday morning for the dog walkers and the commuters out there after the holiday weekend. Enjoy your weekend. Get out there. Hopefully the St. Louis area will have some nice weather. I know it's going to be a little chillier than you expect for the kickoff to summer, but hopefully some clear skies over the weekend after we had some rain today. Uh, but we'll see. It'll be a little sporadic. I try to give you all a warning when I'm going to ghost on you for a little bit, but appreciate you guys big time for listening to the show. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so, and that way you'll know when we return. It's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Those are the places you're going to want to go to find B-Shape Daily on the reg. Appreciate y'all, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily.